available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Again, my co-host David Woods tries to throw me off in the intro, and he did a really good job the first time. I was sort of doing some behind the scenes work because I have to produce the show and you know put it all up and everything. So I try to do that while David's talking sometimes. And he completely threw me off with his cadence. And I think it was, to, I want to give you the secret, David, but I think it was the way you ended it. Because the last thing you say is what? From 24-7 Sports Network? But yeah. you didn't make it sound like it ended. So my brain didn't go, he's over. And then it kind of threw me off and it well, was and pretty funny. I- I nailed it better the first time. Um, the second, what I was going for was like almost, um, it was like a combination of Siri plus um, like old movie phone talk, like where it's clearly like a recorded message where they're just plugging in words that they've said and it's like recorded. Um, but I, I didn't quite nail it as hard the second time. But I, I do want to note for all the listeners, the reason why we had to restart is because Ryan then began his spiel saying, I am David Woods. Yeah. No, it, it, is, and I, it was really good. And because I really was thrown out, I was trying to finish writing that first paragraph in the when we upload the the show. And he just ended before I uh, realized. And then it was threw me way off. But anyway, that's how the sausage is made. But David, that was a good job. So he, I'm usually pretty good at not falling for his little trickeries but he, i fell for it today when i was trying to multitask which i thought about before i'm like don't multitask he's going to do something and then i have to make sure but i was multitasking. well you primed the pump again so i'm, I'm coming at you yeah last week we had some little political ish discussions we were talking about some stuff that we're actually going to talk about on the show today so we'll uh, see if the pump continues to be primed but there's some newsy stuff going on in the pac-12 i completely went away i was off the grid this weekend i was camping catalina no service whatsoever. So, of course, the Pac-12 releases its football schedule for everybody on Friday. Kind of we knew that was going to happen. I didn't get that until I came uh, off the boat last night. And also, uh, there's a Pac-12 players movement um, that's going on. You might have heard about the We Are United movement. So we'll talk about that. There's a potential to boycott the season, sit out the season. Several players from across the, the 12 universities had signed this uh, movement and they're you know tweeting about it and and it's Instagramming about it. So we'll talk about all that stuff. And if you have any questions for the show, you can email us podcast at gmail.com. I think we got like nine or ten questions this week. Uh, one text message, you can send one at 424-532-0678 or even leave us a voicemail. Tweet us at Pactful Podcast, the website, Pactfulpodcast.com, Reddit, uh, Podcast of Champions, if you want to have a discussion there. And then on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. We love that. That really helps out. Even if you don't like the show, we had some people tweeting about 
they didn't like the show. Hey, still leave us five stars, but then say why you think we suck. We we love who, that. Who That's tweeted great. at us that they didn't like the show? Uh, let me see. It was. Uh, let me. See. It was a thread. So Paul Angel tweeted, "What especially depressing sports podcast should I listen to today?" And our good friend uh, Lobo Jangles, all caught up with Downer David Woods at Pac-12 Podcast. And then Paul <laughs> says, "God, that one is bad." And then Lobo Jangles, who we thought was our friend, has a a Kobe gift that's just like yes with a kind of weird smile yeah, just, on his face. I just liked his tweet. Okay. <laughs> so. But uh, to uh, to our friend Paul Angel, or maybe it's uh, at, you know. I don't think he's a friend. I think he might be a friend of yours, but definitely but not of mine. Potential friend. Hey, tell us that leave, leave that exact same thing on Apple Podcasts, but with five stars, and we, we'll love it. We'll read it on the air. We'll give you more pub. That's all we ask. I mean, we did just give him some free pub. We didn't even get anything from him, and we still gave him a read of his yeah. negative tweet. Those those Washington fans love the free pub. Whenever we mention one of them, like I, they I always tweet so like much. free pub, free pub. I'm like I, I don't know, it's not, is this really pub for us talking about you? I guess I don't we know. do have a new review. Oh, this is perfect. We... It actually speaks exactly to what we're talking about. It's from SY8 or SYB7. Sorry, uh, five stars. Why do I do this to myself? I've been listening for years. I keep waiting for it to be enjoyable. I don't know if it will ever happen. Beautiful, honestly, perfect review. Because no joke in there. Absolutely not. I think he's being dead serious in his description of our podcast, and I respect that. But he followed directions. Five stars, baby. That's all we ask. He did a good job. And we we would read it. We'd appreciate it. And we do appreciate it. All we care about is the number. Well, so that's all the the only review we got. Um, I guess we need to just start getting into the... uh... The breaking news that we have a schedule and the Pac-12 actually came out with it first, Mr. Woods, the first schedule we haven't heard. I think the Big Ten is going to come out with theirs later today. We're taping this on Monday or tomorrow or something. We're not really Um, taping it. Exactly. We're not taping it. I mean, have people really taped a podcast ever? It's more (laughs) of a recording, I would think. There are several of our uh, older listeners on the the USC site that they request uh, cassette tapes of our show. So we provide those. (laughs) Uh, that's happened. We love the people that are like, uh, yeah, could you transcribe the podcast? I'm like, sure. An hour and a half worth of conversation with a bunch of slides. Like, Just yeah, that all makes the ums and uhs and uh, yeah. So that, good. That makes a ton of sense. We're going to have you ever that. been transcribed perfectly. Like, have you ever uh, read yourself talking, but they've transcribed you perfectly? No. Like what, how bad it's it is? the worst thing somebody can do to you. Yeah. <laughs> It's worse than death is reading. Honestly, it's worse than listening to yourself is reading just the stupid, horrendous things that come out of your mouth and the way it comes out. It's all ferocious. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) Awful experience. Do not recommend zero out of ten. I would I don't think I've done that. But yes, there's certainly words that you can just glance over if you're listening that your brain just tunes out the ums and the likes and the so's. And you might say those a little too often, but if you're reading them, it's hard to skip over them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, the PAC 12 schedule is out. Uh, if you don't know, August 17th is the first day that PAC 12 programs can 
start fall camp. You don't have to start then, but it'll give you about six weeks until the start of the college football season, uh, which will be September 26th for the Pac-12. Today is August 3rd, so actually is the 20-hour work week for the, the the athletes, so they can do more you know, group activities on their campuses, so they can do the 20 hours of like instruction and weight training and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, unfortunately for the California schools, that's not a possibility, uh, yet. Um, so there's some interesting things going on with the schedule. USC and UCLA play the very first week of the season. There's built in bye weeks. There's, uh, you know, a bye week. So you can reschedule games. Also, there's sort of like an end of the season week, 12, a uh, week 12 or whatever, where, uh, that's December 12th where if you had to cancel a game early on, you could you know, reschedule either during the bye week or uh, the after the season. And then the Pac-12 championship game would be either uh, August, I mean, August, uh, December 18th or 19th. So there's some flexibility there. It will not be held in Las Vegas. It'll be you know, a, a home game for you know, the top-ranked team just because they don't want to you know, do more travel and all that kind of stuff. So that's sort of the gist of what's going on um, with the schedule. But there are some issues with the California schools, and a lot of people feel like USC and UCLA was scheduled that first week, but they probably won't play it till the last week because USC, UCLA, and California right now, they're not even allowed to touch footballs or gather in large groups. So they're not doing the 20-hour the stuff. They're working out outside. You can't lift a weight indoors uh, there now. Stanford is a little different for the four California schools. They can gather in large enough groups because of the the county they're in, Santa Clara. Uh, I think Cal, the city of Berkeley, and then USC and UCLA, LA County are the ones that are have, be a little more restrictive. But for Santa Clara, you can get larger groups, so they can do I, th- I believe position kind of group stuff and practice. And, and they also could touch a football. Where USC, UCLA, and Cal are not allowed to touch a football right now. Stanford can, but watch this, David. Only two players can touch the ball, so you can't have a center to quarterback exchange and then hand it off or throw it. Um, you can't do a flea flicker. It has to be the quarterback starts with the ball, hands it off or throws it. Now, maybe if there's a tip pass, you're not allowed to touch it. I think at that point, or like the, you know, the doctors will come down on you, but that's the kind of weird crap we're dealing with in the state of California right now. Um, and I'm sure the rest of the PAC 12 is looking at us just shaking their heads. I'm <laughs> so I, I don't hate the like not being able to like have training camp in a state with you know widespread outbreak. That's fine. But who the hell came up with that rule about how many people can touch a football? Yeah. Like where did like the only thing I could think of, <laughs> and I don't know this. From? This is probably readily available. I just literally I got off the boat from Catalina last night. I've tried to read as much as I can. My only thought would be that they were allowing, like where I live in Hermosa Beach, like we're not allowed to play volleyball because you know people touch the ball. They said you could play singles volleyball, which isn't a thing, but I believe it's probably something like, okay, you can play tennis, you and somebody else, so the two of you touching the same but ball. No, no, but, but but you couldn't play doubles, like you couldn't play where there's three of you touching the ball. So they'd say, okay, only two people can touch a ball. I don't think if it, I don't know if it was specific for football, but if they two people can touch a ball. That means only the quarterback and then whoever they give the ball or throw the ball to can touch it. Um, that, that's my play, guess. But are they are they using a single ball for the quarterback and one guy, and then they exchange the like? You probably how, have to clean it. How, like, how yeah. is any of this working? Yeah, you probably have to clean the ball. Like they're I don't even know. Playing, so they're the just specifics. Playing catch. What are the specifics going to be? Where 
if you're going to use a tackling sled, you know, where like, oh, okay, this is easier. You're, you're pushing a tackling sled or whatever. Does it have to be sanitized? Like after each use, like I, I, we don't know what the politicians in in the state of California at the different levels are going to say specifically about football. Well, this is this would be Santa Clara County, right? Because they're the ones who are even allowing the fact that Stanford is having practice. Right, but eventually we're assuming, uh, otherwise it's not going to be a season that L.A. County and Berkeley will start allowing things. But are they going to well, get one in? of us? One of us is assuming things. Right. Well, is Cal like is Berkeley going to say? You can touch a football, but you're not allowed to do like tackling sleds or you can only have groups of five. Like who knows what, how specific each of these, uh, you know, levels of government are going to get and how limiting they're going to be. Um, but I think this is part of the reason why we thought that season would start September 19th. They moved it back a week. One of um, us thought the season would start. Well, September. what they were going to announce. We're not I'm not saying it's going to start like this. I'm very concerned that California has some issues here, you know, and they might not be able to go. And the only way you could do it, I think John Canzano was the one that reported this, or I, I can't remember exactly, my apologies if I got it wrong, but that the California schools could potentially have to go out of state to hold any kind of training camp. Because um, you get 25 practices per the NCAA, and August 17th to September 26th, what's like six weeks or so, that you have the opportunity to do that. So, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford, maybe they don't start training camp until September 1st, right? Who knows? You know, they might do something like that, but it's just going to depend on what they're allowed to do. Because right now, they're not allowed, they, they wouldn't be allowed to hold camp as, it, as of today. Is that going to change in two weeks? I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt it. Um, but yeah, uh, I think California is going to be. Uh, probably a stick in the mud as it were for whether any of this stuff starts going and UCLA and USC proactively released that statement basically saying yeah there's a really good chance we're not starting on September 26th I think was the general gist there and we're in alignment um, and it allows for that opportunity in December if they have to move the game um, but I, I mean I think there's going to be issues throughout um, if you saw today I think it was Northwestern today uh, one of the Many, I think, Big Ten schools that has had to basically suspend operations for a while because of a positive case. Uh, I don't know if you saw Wilner's tweet from earlier today, but he tweeted out that um, if he was putting money on which conference was going to cancel first, it would probably be the Big Ten. Um, that they're probably closer than anybody really realizes to just calling it. Wow. Um, because they have a little bit more financial... Um, they're, they're on more financially stable ground than the Pac-12, um, I think, would be the ma main reason. Because the, I think California makes it so that the reality is the Pac-12 is probably least likely to have a season. But I think the financial stability of the Big Ten makes it more likely that they can call it without too many repercussions. Um, but this is a, something. So if one of the conferences goes down and says they're canceling the season, which I think is probably going to happen here at some point relatively soon. Um, how quickly do all of them follow suit? And do you think that any of them will still try to play? Yeah, that's tough. Like we're, I think the SEC, the ACC and the big 12 were sort of like trying to figure something out. And now it looks like the SEC, the SEC came out with, they said they're doing a conference only schedule, right? So they're, they're doing yeah. that. 
they're going to start the same time as the Pac-12. So they've kind of fallen in step there. Um, the ACC still, I think they're trying to start like early September. Um, and the Big 12 like had games moved up. So I'm not sure. Like there's some weird stuff going on. I do feel, I, I don't, I mean, I think the Big Ten was first. They, they came out and said the Pac-12 you know, conference only schedule. I don't know. I mean, it would have to be pretty bad, I think, for them to just cancel the season, uh, you know, right like right now. I, I feel like it is smart to to either say you're going with it and and try to make it work, or postpone it till the spring if you know to see if that's even possible. But my theory, I, don't, I wanted to run this by you. I feel like it's going to be if you cancel the season, it's going to be camp time, not like you've played two games and it isn't working. Like it, people are getting sick. I feel like if you're going to get, if, if there's going to be a spread, it's going to be spread among your own team. And when you do have the groups, when you're due practice, I feel like that's where the spread is going to come from. And I, I'm, I know baseball is very different, but I was encouraged by what happened with the Phillies and the Marlins. And I don't know if we talked about that last week, but um, you know, with the Marlins, half the team got it, you know, and a couple of like, staffers from the Phillies ended up getting it. People that were around the Marlins quite a bit, but for the players on the field, there wasn't any transmission there. And yeah. I know football's more, you know, physical, but you're still only, you know, in, clo- in close proximity to these players briefly. Uh, if they have good mass, like, who knows? Maybe that, maybe that'll help. But that's, that was encouraging to me that like, if you're playing a contest for 60 minutes um, and football's only that, you know, you're really, that's, that's only 60 minutes of time. Is that enough viral load? You know, you spit in someone's face or something, sure. But I think there might be some opportunities where it's not necessarily going to be you got to worry about USC and UCLA playing each other as much as USC's got to practice with themselves all the time and be all in the same room. And you're in the dugout in the for baseball. I feel to me, my there's a long winded theory. If they cancel the season, it's going to be because camp doesn't work. Like you got to play football in camp, but among your team and among the same people all the time. If that works. I think you can have a season, but I, I don't see camp working and then the game's not working, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I for all the reasons I've said before, I'm not going to belabor them all again. I don't think it's going to have much to do with, like, I mean, I think transmission on the teams is certainly going to be a factor, but I think a lot of it's just going to be reality on the ground in the states we're talking about. And so many states now have just completely uncontrolled transmission that it's just hard to fathom creating other opportunities for, and I'm not talking about the games themselves, but what you were saying within the teams, um, having uncontrolled spread on these teams that they then bring back to their classmates and their classmates, families and their coaches and their coaches, families and the whole thing. It's another vector for transmission. And I can't imagine that getting approved, um, especially for unpaid labor. Um, but I, I guess my question was more, um, broadly if by conference by conference they start deciding to cancel which yeah. you know Wilner more or less intimated the big 10 might do it um but pac 12 you know if california doesn't decide to open things up here pretty quick then the the decision might be made for them um yes. you know if, if there's no fall camp starting by early september then it might be just done deal at that point um but if that happens in the big 10 um my thing, and this is something I'd love a, one of our resident lawyers who listens to this to weigh in, but I think there would be a ton of liability for other leagues if one of their 
peer leagues decides to close for COVID related reasons to then remain open because then anybody who gets ill and has to be hospitalized. And I don't know if you saw, I think it was an Arizona wide receiver. The names, I think Jaden Mitchell, maybe um, who tweeted today that he was like really, really sick and lost yeah. like 8% of his body mass doing this. So the, the canard that these guys or that none of them, like absolutely none of them are getting seriously ill is false. Like there are some, and there was another guy who was um, uh, offensive lineman in Big Ten school, I think, um, who his mom also posted something on Facebook about how he's been seriously ill and now has heart problems. Um, and these are real things that are happening. And yeah, they're not common, but they're happening. Um, these things, if they happen in the SEC, if the SEC decides not to close and the Big Ten and or the Pac-12 have, I would have to imagine that increases the SEC's liability, like their chance of right. getting a judgment against them if there was a lawsuit. And I have to imagine that's going to weigh on any decision maker's mind in any of these conferences is it, it it's easier to go along with your peers if everybody's operating in lockstep. Um, right. It's harder to make a decision to increase your liability. Um, the Big Ten can opt out and say, well, we're making the safe decision. Anybody else then not making that decision is, I think, creating more risk for themselves financially. No, I think that makes sense. And if the Big Ten is forced to because there's just too many programs that can't even practice and they're like, you know what, let's just wait until the spring or whatever, you know, delay this. I do do think that makes it a lot easier for the Pac-12 or the SEC or whatever. Just like, you know what, we're going to call it off, too. There's a lot of work being involved trying to make this work. And yeah, Jaden Mitchell did have a statement he tweeted out. Uh, he had COVID for three weeks, had to quarantine for four, lost 14 pounds and he's gaining it back and reconditioning himself. But he thanked the training staff at Arizona. Uh, he said it, you know, he felt safe and felt taken care of. Uh, he said, even though they did everything they could being in a room or, you know, in a room or a house for 28 days had a great impact on my body and mental health. The fact that it doesn't matter, uh, if, if this virus gets a hold of you and you experience symptoms, it will have a great impact on you. So. We know most kids won't have an impact, but if you do, like that, obviously it's going to be something like what uh, Jaden experienced. He said, there's so many possibilities of sport where hundred plus people are in a locker room, 70 players travel, coaches, staff, trainers, and more. I don't see how that will work. We are physically touching each other every single snap. On top of that, we are getting paid zero dollars, risking our health for people's entertainment. People have, and we'll never uh, step up foot on a field. I love the game more than life, and I am not opting out. But I do need players, coaches, fans, and everyone to realize the severity of not only the pandemic, but also the injustice. So he's, I mean, he makes some obviously good points there, and you you feel for him, and hopefully he's uh, fully recovered by now. But um, yeah, absolutely. It's you know, it's like you know, he's right. It's uh, that's why you have to, you know, if they're allowed to opt out, you're allowed to opt out. You can keep your scholarship, but that's great. Some players still want to play. They still want to take the risk. And that, you know, if there's going to be a season, then that's, you know, that's a choice that they can make. I just don't know, like you said, are they going to even have that choice? As of right now, they yeah. do, but it could get, you know, if the Big Ten does cancel, it just makes it so much, it's so much easier. You know, you go, you, you go to jump off of those cliffs into a, in a lake or something or into the ocean and, I don't like to be the first guy to do it. I'll do it though. As soon as I see someone do it and he doesn't hit a rock and hurt himself. So I'd rather be the second person in. So I think there's probably a lot of conferences, commissioners, Dave, ready to be that second you know, person in where they didn't start it, 
they didn't ruin college football, but once the Big Ten decided not to, Larry Scott can go, like, you know what? That just makes sense. Let's just yeah, move on. And it'll be the same thing as it was with the announcement of non-conference cancellations. Big Ten was first, and then Pac-12 soon there followed. I, I would imagine any scenario where the Big Ten decides to cancel will be a scenario where the Pac-12 more or less immediately follows suit. Yeah. Um, uh, on the season itself, on the schedule, I saw someone tweet that Washington, that Oregon gets a bye before the Washington game for like the third year in a row. So there was a Washington fan upset about that. I mean, USC is really playing the first week. There's some weird stuff. They, I thought there'd be two buys, but they really like a buy at the end of the season. So there's the flexibility built in. We talked about before, which makes sense, but it starts a week later. And I think that's because of the California schools and camp starts with some flexibility again, California schools. Uh, but was there anything else that kind of stood out to you? Like, you know, they, they just evened it all up. So everyone's going to play five home. Everyone's going to play five road. So there's, it was pretty easy to figure out. You only miss two teams. You have to add the one that needs a home game or a road game. So it wasn't a lot of options there on who to add, but they've moved thing, things around. Uh, USC plays like USC, UCLA, Cal and Stanford the first three weeks. So they play all the California schools in the first three weeks. Uh, but then anything else that you saw, like kind of stand out to you? The only thing that I noted was that it didn't look like any schools were traveling to California in the first week of the season. Um, I think they were trying to avoid trips to California from other um, areas for a time. Um, so, I, you know, that seems prudent. Um, th- they seemed like they tried to go for proximity as much as possible with that first week. Not entirely, but somewhat. Um, otherwise, I mean, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time breaking down matchups because I, you know, it just feels like a little bit of a waste of time, but yeah, I mean, I think they did about as good a job as they could. Um, and we'll see. Um, I think for, you know, maybe we can, if, if it's looking more optimistic in a couple of weeks, maybe we can go, you know, and do our season previews essentially of how things, you know, how we look at the schedules and what we think the records will be and all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever it'll fill time. Um, but I know for UCLA's purposes, one thing that struck me is just how gruesome it is for Chip Kelly that there's no non-conference schedule this year. Because looking at that one, just eyeballing the 10 games now that they've added Washington, um, that's five and five would be a lot like that. would It's going to take a lot to get to five and five. Yeah. Um, so that what that's one thing that stood out to me. But um, I wasn't. I, again, I, I don't think a lot of it's going to happen. Maybe they get a couple of weeks in. I just don't think there's going to be much to it. Um, but if this is the form it takes in spring, that'll be interesting. Um, I like this. Um, I wouldn't, you know, in the uh, in the future, it'd be kind of cool to have, uh, you know, something more akin to a round robin. This isn't quite there. But, you know, you get up to 11 games, it is. Um, but it is nice that they're playing a little bit more of the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, I like and I like for the SEC, like they normally play eight conference games. Now you're going to play 10. I think there's going to be a lot more churn, less, you know, there's usually not as much churn there because the best teams don't always play each other where like would they win the Pac-12. So that'll be interesting to watch too. If you go undefeated in the SEC with a 10-game conference schedule, I think that's going to mean something. Uh the bye weeks are mixed up between weeks 4, 5 and 6. Uh so there's some options there. There's four teams with a bye week in week 4, week 5 and week 6. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, it's also another rivalry game that plays uh, week one. Um, and Arizona State comes out, they play their rival, Arizona, uh, Stanford, and then Oregon. Like, that's a pretty, uh, you know, pretty interesting start to the season. Um, 
Yeah, some other stuff like Washington Stanford play at week one. So that's, you know, kind of a Pac-12 North, you know, power situation. Um, and, and, you know, there's you don't have some of the traditional like end of the season uh, rivalries like, you know, Oregon and Utah are playing at the end of the season. Well, that could be a preview of the, the championship game like it was, you know, two years ago. Um, so there's some some interesting aspects to it. Yeah, Cal and UCLA end their season playing each other, so there's kind of a a rival you know rivalry element there. Um, like you know Washington Washington State they end the second to last week of the season, so there's something. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's just kind of reshuffling things and seeing where they they line up. And I you know I get it; they tried to do some stuff for the California schools to make it easier but unless california backs off on some of these health restrictions or things get better here it's gonna be really hard for those teams to have camp and then then it's like well what do you do i know we i think kyle whittingham was already talking about he had talked about a couple of times like moving forward even if every team can't play um so there's definitely programs that are ready to do that i don't know what larry scott and the pac-12 would do or if they try to some find some contingency to allow the california schools to yeah there's no i mean there's no there's no way that's happening um so, yeah, I mean, you don't think you're going to fly like 150 people to another state to try to practice <laughs> would work for like four weeks. You're so no, pessimistic. I'm such a pessimist. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think that'll work. Um, yeah. And I just I, I want to be clear. I I, don't I, I I think California, like, look, some of the regulations are a little bit wonky. Like, do you know, Two three touches. people can three people can probably touch a football. That's probably fine. You know, whatever. That's that's cool. Um, but it's not it's not California's regulations that are the problem. I mean, if the pandemic is ongoing, you're going to end up with the same crap that's happening to all these other schools. The fact that it hasn't happened yet to a California school is probably a good thing um, that they've had to completely shut down operations. Um, but I mean, that's happening all over. Um, California is being pretty stringent, but it's because there's an ongoing absolutely heinous public health crisis with like 10,000 cases a day still. So it's their regulations are what is directly inhibiting the start of camp, but it's not what is inhibiting the function of a season. It's the ongoing public health crisis that is unrelated to what a, you know, a state government is restricting right now. If anything, that's helping the situation. The only way a season happens is if we're in a much better situation from a public health standpoint than we are right now. We're not there yet. If more states were doing what California is doing right now, maybe we'd get there. Um, But that's, you know, that's, that's really just kind of like the broad angle thing. I mean, obviously their restrictions are what is, you know, preventing these schools from having fall camp right now, but it's not what's going to ultimately prevent a season. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, I think that's about all on the schedule stuff. Uh, We also, have we have the, so much to talk about. We do. Hashtag we are united. Uh, this happened while I was gone. I think ESPN had something on Saturday that this was going to come out. And then was it the Players Tribune that they posted this? It was um, well, like a, 11 players from nine different Pac-12 programs yeah. signed it. And there's different um, you know, demands about... Uh, racial equality and player safety, uh, economic freedom. Um, so some interesting stuff. And I think there's some really good, you know, suggestions and, and, and demands in there. 
my just general feeling was though, it's hashtag we are united wasn't that doesn't really make sense because it's you couldn't even get a player from every school to sign one player from every school to sign. It's like to me, that's a little premature. Like if I want to come out with something like this, I want to make sure that the majority of the players are on board. And then but I think that would mean that the players have to have their input into what's going on. And this was sort of like this was come up, but, you know, a smaller amount of people. And then you kind of push it out there um, to the rest of the people. And, and for the most part, there's a lot of, you know, Pac-12 players on social media that were supporting this. But there was a bunch that came out, too, that were like, hey, I love a lot of stuff, but I'm not I got to play. Um, so it just doesn't seem like it's, you know, fully on. We are united. I love a lot of the stuff that's in there, but it's just I don't know. It just felt a little weird for me there. Is that unfair or what do you think? Um, I don't think it's unfair. Um, I think there is, um, I I think it's unclear, um, who, how many people are behind this, um, how many people are willing to be openly behind it, how many are willing to put their, you know, their job, their unpaid labor on the line for this. Um, and I think that's unclear. I don't think it's, I don't think it's just the 11 people in this, but I don't know if it's, a hundred people. It's just, it's hard to know at this point because we only have the names of, I think it was 13 actually, um, or 13 who eventually said they've signed on to this or whatever. Um, but we just don't know, um, at this point, um, who, how many are, are actually going to abide by the essentially implicit threat here. Um, but I, I think the, the demands themselves um, look, I mean, uh, full stop, I support basically everything they asked for. I think there's some that are more workable than others. Um, the financial thing is the thing that everyone is hanging up on. Um, and I don't know, I, I could go back and forth on it. If you're starting a negotiation, it's great to start with a big ask, but also, um, asking for the 50% rev share, uh, at this point might get you not, not laughed out of the room, but it is, I think, I don't know if it's turning over any people who would have been on your side to the other side, but it does make it a little bit harder for even some of these players to sign on with it. Yeah. Um, because in context of what's going on right now, um, I do think a crisis is a great time to ask for that sort of stuff because um, it's just, you know, that's a great time to exercise some leverage because they desperately need a season to prop up all these athletic departments. And if the players decide to opt out, they won't have a season. Um, but, uh, it just, I, I think there's some other stuff in here that's so necessary that it's unfortunate to, um, maybe get too hung up on other stuff. I, I could go back and forth on it. There's just a lot of stuff here, but let's, maybe let's go through point by point to see what we agree and disagree with. Sure. Okay. Do you got okay, the points so up or? Basically, yeah, I've got it pulled up. Um, so the first one is health and safety precautions, and I don't really have any issue with any of these. The COVID-19 projections, basically allow option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics eligibility or spot on your team's roster. That seems, I think most schools have already done that. Yeah. I think that exists already. So that's good. Yeah. Um, to prohibit or void COVID-19 agreements that waive liability. I don't know if this is a thing in the PAC 12, but I know in Georgia, they've done a lot to try to, um, limit liability for anybody who's forcing employees or unpaid labor back to work during COVID. Um, and they're asking to waive that for athletics. I think that's reasonable and fair. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, mandatory safety standards, including COVID-19 measures, player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party selected by players to address COVID-19, as well as serious injury, abuse, and death. Okay. Seems right. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, you want some oversight. You don't want the, the well, our, our, you know, I guess when the SEC was coming back, they didn't even want to test people unless they were had symptoms. And it's like, no, we need that. You had to need some advocate for you to say, yeah, you don't want to be tested doc- this much and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you don't want it to be Doc Crossbones who like injects you with cortisone every time you can play about knee knee pain. So yeah, right. I'm all for that. Um, all right, and then protect all sports. Um, so this one was interesting. Uh, one, preserve all existing sports by eliminating excessive expenditures. One, Larry Scott administrators and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. So, yeah, I mean, I love that. I think it should right. happen. I think it should happen across the board of college athletics. Is that one realistic at this point? I don't know. I really doubt it. Um, I, I, I think UCLA and Cal still haven't even taken their reductions in pay because they're still awaiting guidance from the University of California on how to do so. Um, so I don't know. Um, but I love the ask, and I support that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think everyone's getting paid too damn much money in the sport, except for the people who are actually participating in it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fine. Um, that, and, it's funny. Like, everyone would say, think with, like, Larry Scott, he shouldn't be making $5 million a year. I get that. Like, there's no – if you reduce Larry Scott's salary to a million, it's not like – the Big Ten would go, ooh, we can get him, a, you know, we can hire Larry Scott no away. One's, no one's You're not, coming after Larry Scott for 400000 Right. So you could cut his salary. The problem is, like, if you cut Nick Rolovich or, uh, you know. Yeah, it's arms race stuff. Yeah, like, then someone's going to hire him need, away. Yeah. Well, you need, I mean, this is where it becomes, it needs to be more collective than the Pac-12. And I'm not sure that wasn't the point of this. Right. To try to build, because... So from what I understand, there was like a group text with a bunch of like it sounded like 400 Pac-12 players um, between, uh, I think, a lot of different sports. Some kind of group but, chat thing. Yeah. yeah, it was like a group, whatever, like a WhatsApp thing. Um, and they were talking about this whole thing. I wonder if publicizing something like this, even with at maybe they were hoping that it wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe they were hoping that it would kind of spark a little bit more and maybe it still will. Um, of other leagues kind of jumping on board with the same idea, because the only way this works is if you kind of is the financial piece. The only way that works is if you get all the other leagues to operate in concert. And by all the other leagues, I mean the unpaid labor of all of the other leagues. <laughs> right. Um, so that's that's the part where I think it becomes more difficult because you're also if you ask. If you ask all of that of just a single league, you're basically relegating that league to. Um, second tier status. And at that point, there wouldn't be any reason for the Pac-12 not to just go, okay, well, we're Ivy League now. We're done. We're yeah. out of the game. Um, because they wouldn't be able to compete. Um, because they wouldn't have the coaches and so on and so forth. Um, so I think there there needs to be some more collective work across all of the different leagues. And maybe this, maybe this would have to happen at the legal level because, you know, the NCAA operates like a cartel. Um, but that'll be... For later on down the road. Anyway, right. all right. So that one is, I, I generally agree, but it's that devil's in the details. That's not going to happen before the season starts. No, so, it's not yeah. going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen for a long time. Um, yeah. Two end performance academic bonuses. I don't. I don't hate this on a year basis, especially for this year because it's so weird. Why would you have performance bonuses for a ten game season? True. So, so I'm are they talking about like coaches like bonuses or what? What are these? I'm not. 
Yeah, these are like the performance bonuses. Like if you win, I don't know, if you make it to a bowl game, you get 50 grand. If you, you know, win the conference, you get 100 grand, you know, that sort of deal. I'm not sure what that does. I mean, it's the incentive based stuff I think you'd rather have in the contract than just, you know, hey, I this think coach they gets- might be. I think they might be thinking of it for this year with all of the weird budgetary issues. Oh, uh, okay. Because they're saying eliminating excessive expenditures to preserve all sports. I think the impetus was basically what happened to Stanford and what's oh, trying to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Um, but I could be wrong. Maybe they mean that, per, you know, in perpetuity. Um, and that would be a hard sell for me because I think incentive based, you know, bonuses yeah. are fine in basically any contract. It's just if they get exorbitant, maybe you cap them. Um, Three, end lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. Um, as an example, Stanford University should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping into their $27.7 billion endowment. Um, again, so the end lavish facility expenditures, you can make an argument that if you concede the arms race, you're relegating yourself to second tier status even more than you already are. And at that point, again, does the Pac-12 just say, screw it, we're not doing you know, major revenue sports anymore. Um, you'd have to go like Ivy league ish. Kind of I don't know if you'd have to, but they could make that argument. Um, yeah. and using endowment funds to preserve all sports. I, so endowment, I don't, there's a lot of rules about how you can draw on it and the whole deal, but yeah. I'm sure they could figure it. Stanford is one of the richest goddamn places in the world. They can figure out a way to save those like Olympic sports that cost like $10,000 to operate. They could do it. They don't want to. So I'm fine with this. Um, something that prevents these universities from closing those things, fine. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to be specific about you have to pay for it this way. Just like, hey, while we're while we're going through this, we have to like cut the budget to find a way to keep those sports. I, I yeah, I could I could go with that. But the, yeah, the, there's all kinds of legal the, crap if you say it has to be in a down. Like I don't know, whole, I don't know how that works. This whole financial section in the protect all sports piece, it feels a little hand wavy to me. Like yeah, yes. All this stuff sounds good. I kind of agree with it all, but it's all in the details and the guts of it. And you're you're asking for bigger things. You're asking for and I, I don't think it's wrong, but you need to start working at the structure of college football. First, you would need some overarching organization that actually has control over the sport, which the yeah. NCAA doesn't really. Um, and you would then need to operate through that entity. It wouldn't be through the individual conferences because they would, you know, it's like a prisoner's dilemma. You, you can't do this thing because you don't know if the other conferences are going to um, follow the same, you know, steps that you are. Yeah. Um, all right. Then section three is end racial injustice in college sports and society. Uh, that seems like a big ask. Uh, one, form a permanent civic engagement task force made up of our leaders, experts of our choice and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and in society. Love task forces. Yeah, I think it's effective. I'm, no issue there. I mean, it's... I don't think task a, forces are effective, but whatever. They're no no, no pain. They could, you know, make make the, fan, the average fan aware of issues that players face, and if you can shed light on some things, it seems sure, like a good idea. It's yeah, not like it's, it's going to be... Meaningless mumbo-jumbo. Task force, whatever. Okay. Uh, two, in partnership with the Pac-12, 2% of conference revenue would be directed to, by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for at- college athletes on each campus. I love this. They yeah, should. very cool. Um, and I think Wilner said the 2% would amount to about $10 million a year. 
Right, which would you know that that makes more sense. I think Wilner said he loves the idea so much, he, he's pissed that he didn't come up with it himself. So yeah, yeah, that's I a think, good one. I think we're we're in, in in on that. Yeah, and then three form annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes of our choice from every school. Love that as well. Cool. Again, I don't know about task forces and summits. They never seem to do anything, but sure, what the hell? Why not? I think you forgot the uh, six-year. Um, no, health. no, no. That's that's in section four, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. My my apologies. I thought that was in section one. Okay. No, no, no. Section four: economic freedom and equity. So one is guaranteed medical expense coverage, medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19 illness, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. Mm. Love the I'm, crap out of it. I love it. Why not? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, do that. And it's it's relatively cheap. And I saw somebody was coming up with this, and I wish I could attribute it properly, but you can probably find it on Twitter, um, where it should be now more or less standard for athletes to have guaranteed admission to a master's program as long as they graduate in good standing from your university to get into a master's program at your university and have the medical insurance cover those years as because they will anyway. I mean, I think through student insurance. Um, and then you only have to do four more years after that, but you're also getting them a more valuable degree at that point because they don't have athletic obligations. They can finish their master's and actually pick something they want to get it in because the reality is um, college football players specifically and college basketball players are getting like one of three degrees for the most part. It's like sociology, poli sci or history um, or whatever garbage majors you have at your, your university of choice. Um, but it's never like that's fine for some of them, but some of them might be interested in biology or whatever, and they can't really do that. Um, but being able to stay for a master's or a post back or whatever it is and give them an opportunity to educate themselves in a subject that they can actually devote their time to rather than the, you know, 70 hours a week they're actually doing football stuff. We say it's 20. It's not. It's fake. That's bullshit. Um, the, 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 that huge amount of time that they have to devote to that, um, then that would be a good and equitable solution. And you're also already covering them with, you know, two years post football with whatever student insurance you have. And then it's only four more years on top of that. It's also really cheap because they're young. And most of them are in really good shape. Yeah. So that's not even that expensive, I don't think, um, is basically my point there. Um, name, image, and likeness, rights, and representation. Uh, the freedom to secure representation, receive basic necessities from any third party, and earn money for our use of our name, image, and likeness rights. We're both strong advocates of that, I think, on this show. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Um, and that would go a long way to resolving what's in number the, the, the next one. This is the one that I think is drawing the most consternation. Fair market pay, rights, and freedoms. One, distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's tough. That's a tough one. I love it in theory, um, but this one requires a restructuring of the entire – this goes back to you need to restructure the entire sport, um, not just FBS. I mean not just um, Power 5, but every FBS league. Um, I, I think you need to rewrite some federal laws to get this one done. Um, like there's some major stuff that would need to happen to make a 50% rev share happen on any of these campuses yeah. uh, where you're not also creating a lot more problems than you're um, now. I don't think you're creating a lot more problems than you're solving, 
but there might be cascading problems that you're not foreseeing. Um, we don't know exactly how Title IX would be interpreted um, with this situation. A lot of a lot of legal experts or sports business people who probably have some interest in saying this, but sports business people say, yeah, there would be some issues. There are some lawyers who say, well, actually, Title IX's never been interpreted to affect pay, and if these were employees, they wouldn't really be under Title IX. I don't know. I'm not a legal expert. Somebody else can weigh in on that. Um, but there is at least a possibility that it could be interpreted in a certain way that would make this hard to do unless you restructure the entire thing. Yeah. Uh, and because all these athletic departments have been mismanaged to such an extent, there is a, a reality that if you tried to share 50% of revenue right now, uh, there wouldn't be many of these athletic departments the next year. Um, just it can't happen. Um, there's not enough money to go around. Um, it's a big ask. Um, and maybe some of this could be taken up through name, image, and likeness. Um, maybe the schools could even negotiate on behalf of the athletes or something. I don't know. Um, but maybe there could be some element of this that's, um, covered by some other form of compensation. Um, but I, I don't just, this, this is not realistic in any kind of reasonable time frame. Right. I agree with you there. I just, and you know, this is one of those things where I believe one of the players that signed it didn't even realize this was in there. So that's why, and I, I get, you can make these, you know, big asks and, but you might turn people off. Like David said, Wilner wrote, I, I copied this down from his uh, column on this. He says, by all means, aim high with negotiations, but don't aim for an alternate universe. It puts the focus away from the reasonable and necessary improvements in health protections for these players. And I, I think that makes sense. Um, there's just yeah, so many I ways you can right. interpret. You could say title nine would, would, would not allow it. That might not be true, but that's an argument you can easily make. You can make the argument that if you're going to only split, and I think it said you get to split the revenue for each sport. Well, football is the only one that makes money. So football players would get money. And then everyone else not only wouldn't get money, but that since those programs cost money, you could argue they would have to get rid of those programs, which is something you said you couldn't do in one of the other ones. So, yeah, it, I think there's ways you can get the players involved on the financial side, but this one just sort of missed the mark for me. Yeah, and I don't think I, – I, I'm not sure it would work unless you did an even split across all sports if you were trying to stay within the bounds of a Title IX. Now, I, I, I think the fact that these schools have operated so poorly from a budget standpoint – certainly has to factor in here and they need to do a better job and there should be profit every year because it's a huge industry. I mean, the fact that they're trying to zero out their budgets is, you know, probably a crime. Um, but, uh, all of this, it's just, I, I think they're, again, the ramifications of all of this stuff, maybe they're foreseeing them and they're just putting this out there to kind of drop a bomb and just say, look, we're, we're going to ask for a lot. Um, but there are ramifications of this that are, really hard to wrap your mind around and they require some you know essentially restructuring of the sport which again i am all for i'm just saying realistically i don't know that there's going to be any appetite for that or if there's any even structures in place to restructure it like you need a governing body that actually functions um and there isn't one the ncaa sucks like you need to replace yeah. that with something first and then you petition that replacement to do this stuff um yeah. now if if there's enough movement to strike, then things get weird in a hurry. Like if there are enough players who say, screw it, no, we're not doing this. 
and we're not doing it in the spring either when you want us to do it, uh, then things would get moving in a hurry. Um, but I, I don't know if there's enough there. Hopefully there is. Hopefully they, they've got enough to, to actually um, bring some leverage here because many of these asks are good ones that need to happen. Yeah. Um, and there is opposition to them from a lot of these universities and organizations because they do cost money. So hopefully they can get some of this done and hopefully they don't have to resort to a full fledged, you know, strike to do it. But, you know, they might have to. All right. Anyway, two six year athletic scholarships to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. So that might be where that guy who tweeted about it said that thing. But I like that. Uh, yeah, dude, that's cool. To move too. On that, to that adds value to your scholarship. If you know, not only can I go to school and get my degree, but it's going to open up things for a master's as well. And I mean, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, worth of value for the, the athlete. You can argue that that doesn't cost the school any money, but it's still, if a regular student walks off the street and they had to pay $400,000 for a couple of degrees, that's a, you know, that's at least it's a nice benefit. Yeah. And I, I love it. Um, I, and also not even just for graduate degree completion, but it'd be great to be able to get into a PhD program like all that kind of stuff, the six-year athletic scholarship at least gets you started there. Um, so I like that. Three, elimination of all policies and practices restricting or deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in charitable work, and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. Yeah, totally. Sure. Great. Uh, so that's probably um, taking away people's phones for social media and, and uh among many other things, but that's one thing that immediately springs to mind from the past of these dictatorial coaches. Uh, four, ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment, and additionally in cases of abuse or serious negligence. Uh, I don't think this goes far enough, but fine. And that, that that almost, like, this is one of those things that that almost passed this year. Without COVID, we probably have that. Yeah, um, there's a lot of, like, so reasonable that I'm, like, way further along than these guys are. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, you should be able to get up and move anytime you want to and play the next game for another team. I don't give a crap. You should be able to do that. What the hell? If they're not going to pay you, just go and do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but but I think we're going to get that. Like the NIL stuff, like Congress is going like there's a lot of these things that are in process of happening, which is good. You know? Yeah. Uh, five, ability to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft. A player goes undrafted and forgoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. Again. Love it doesn't go far enough. Yeah, I'm cool with that, too. I don't got any. You should be able to complete your eligibility up to and including, like, if the guy is in an NFL camp and didn't, you know, make the cut, the final cut, like, he should be able to go back and play for his college team. The hell? Who do you care? Who cares? Let him go play, and then he can go back into the draft the next year and try to do better. Yeah, I mean, you could say that, like, his his uh, amateur clock doesn't end until he's, like, a full-on member of the team getting... Hey, yeah, no, not like, well, and amateurism is a joke, like, and that's the big thing is like we need to stop propping up amateurism as a real thing. And that, again, requires changes of things way beyond the NCAA. That requires like federal law changes. Yeah. Um, and then six due process rights. Yeah, we're all for those. So yeah. really, it's the financial stuff that gets wonky. And I think it's mostly wonky because of how we have structured the NCAA and propped it up for decades upon decades. It wouldn't be wonky if we were talking about any other sport where. You know, there's many hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue every year because there's a bunch of sports like that, and they all have more or less 50 per 50 cuts with the players. Um, but we're talking about an organization that operates in this really funky way 
where they claim amateurism um, and all this other janky stuff. I mean, the other sports on campus should basically be club teams. And if the, if the schools want to have them, great, whatever. Uh, but football and basketball, they bring in millions upon millions of dollars every year. And it's the only industry of its kind since about 1865 that's able to do that on the backs of unpaid labor. <laughs> I love I'm, I'm glad I read the grant book because we, we've had the like a lot of talks about 1865 since then. So it's, oh, been, it's been great. It's been great. Um, all right. So that's the movement. We'll see, uh, you know, what transpires from that, but it was kind of getting, making a lot of news this weekend while I was gone. So I had to catch up and, uh, catch up what's going on there along, unless you have anything else along the same lines, have you heard about what's going on with, uh, Washington state head coach, Nick Rolovich and his wide, wide receiver Cassidy Woods, no relation, I assume. No, none, none. Uh, do you remember when we were talking about Rolovich taking over for Mike Leach and we were like, yeah, it's the same like offense, same like kind of kooky guy, but not as maybe potentially problematic, not as maybe creating as many issues in the sphere. Remember Rolovich. when we were talking about that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, let's let's go back in time and rest those words out of our mouths because <laughs> Rolovich stepped in a big time. So I listened to the audio before it got removed. Which oh, I didn't get may or may not have been recorded illegally. Um, I'm not clear on two-way consent laws. We're talking about a lot of legal issues here. Uh, Washington is a two-way con- a two-way consent state. Yes. So if that was taking place in the state of Washington in any way, uh, that's no good. Um, but I listened to the recorded audio for a few minutes before I apprised myself of the laws and realized I shouldn't have done that. Um, and <laughs> Rolovich, I think you could – so I did not listen to it charitably um and i think i'm reading it the correct way which is that there was an implicit threat there from him um which and in the transcript he basically says okay well if you're opting out when cassidy woods is basically he said he was opting out because he's um sickle cell he has um i don't know a predisposition to sickle cell anemia or actual sickle cell anemia i'm not sure which um but he said he was opting out for covid health related reasons and rolovich said essentially that's fine i'm i'm I don't care. That's that's totally cool. As I told you, I assume there was a meeting before that. And then he asked, but are you doing this? We are united thing. Um, and Cassidy said, yep, I'm I'm all for that, too. And then Rolovich went on this long soliloquy about it where he basically said, well, that's going to be a different deal. It's going to change the sport and it's going to change how we deal with this. We meaning Washington State and himself. Um, and. The the implied thing was it's totally fine if you're opting out because of COVID and it's going to be an entirely different thing if you're opting out because of this We Are United thing and we're going to deal with it differently. Now, you would have to be a very charitable reader to decide there's no implied threat there. Um, and I think you could read it as he's mostly trying to be a mentory type figure to Cassidy Woods. And I think that's a... You know, I think you get 80% there, but you can't get the whole 100%. There is definitely an applied threat there that there's going to be different consequences for you if you're opting out for this reason than if you're opting out for COVID. Um, That's not the way to talk about this issue. Um, It's unfortunate that he probably didn't consent to the phone call or the phone call being recorded. Um, Cassidy could have probably just transcribed it as he went and then said, hey, this is what he said to me. This is screwed up or recorded himself, not publicized it and then written up what he yes. heard um but all that being said i thought rolovich looked bad 
I don't think Woods looks awesome, um, but just mainly because you're recording a call like that um, and publicizing the recording. Again, just take notes after you record it and then say this is what he said. Um, but, yeah, I thought Rolovich looked bad. I thought he shouldn't have um, said most of what he said. And, uh, yeah, it's dog crap. Uh, I thought Wilner had a good point, which is that all these coaches need to learn how to talk about these issues because they are becoming more prevalent. Yes. Um, but, yeah, that was crap. It was, yeah, the, the, his response was was terrible. I mean, I guess, I mean, the good thing is the player wants to, you know, opt out for health reasons, and that's completely allowed. They keep their scholarship. There's no issues. Obviously, he takes it to another level by saying, like, yeah, but if you're going to opt out because of this, you know, uh, you know, new thing, the the hashtag, you know, we are united movement. He makes it sound like, at least from the transcript I read, that that's that's not acceptable. And obviously, that's not the way you want to handle this. There was some, I think there were some tweets that were saying, um, oh, Ty Jones, Wazoo already cutting players for standing up for what they believe in. Not really surprised, though. Uh, and then there were some reporters that were saying, you know, contrary to this, a source close to the team confirms that no Washington State football players have been cut. I've seen... A bunch of reporters report that. Um, so that's a good news. I mean, you, you would be shocked if they were cutting players because they wanted to be involved uh, in this movement. It doesn't really make sense. But the controversy was that uh, Woods wanted that he um, wanted to still work out with the team. And, you know, uh, Rolovich is like, no, you don't want you around. And, and Wilner had a good point on that. Like, you, if you're saying you don't want to play because you're worried about health concerns, like, the most dangerous part is like being around your team you know, and practicing. So you shouldn't be doing that. If the reason you don't want to play the game is because of health concerns, you should be as far away from the team as possible, which I don't know if you disagree with that, but that makes sense to no, me. That, I don't, I don't think part, that was controversy. And that, that part I thought was right. And that's where the, the part where like, I thought Woods was coming off a little bit, you know, that's, no, you can't be participating if you're using illness or potential illness, and you shouldn't be. If you're using that as the reason, then you shouldn't be a part of any team activities. That seems right and fair. Um, the the real misstep was, I think I tweeted about it, but it was between the 50-second mark and the two-minute mark of the transcript, which is where he decided he was going to, you know, talk about this We Are United movement. Um, but when he stuck to the I, – I thought the way he discussed the COVID thing, I mean, a little brusquely um, – basically I don't give a shit if that's why you're, I mean, that's more or less what he said. I don't give a shit if that's why you're doing it. I'm totally cool with that. Um, but the other piece is just, you know, that's not how you're going to talk about those issues and it's not how you're going to endear yourself to your team. Um, I, I imagine he's going to have to release some sort of statement, right? Yeah. I, I figure pretty soon there's going to yeah, be some just, kind of, and I, I think it's, it wasn't good at all. It looked like crap. I think it's something that he'll be able to explain away if he does it right, whether it's sincere or not, I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be like a deal breaker for his entire career at Wazoo. It just looks bad. And look, a lot of these coaches are not like good at this and for a lot of different reasons. Um, but it, it looks bad. It's a bad misstep. Um, and, um, complete crap. I mean, it's an obviously horrendous, you know, thing to intimate to a kid, um, that because he wants to, express his views about an obviously unjust system and that's going to somehow entail more consequences for him from you. I mean, that's horrendous. Um, 
But I think it's something he'll be able to explain away. So if you're a Wazoo fan wondering if your coach is going to get fired for this, I really doubt it. But um, right. it did look like crap. I, and I'm wondering, usually we've seen uh, when a coach screws up during these last couple months, pretty quick turnarounds and, and apologies. And um, it's usually worked out pretty well. Players seem to have you know, their coaches back or whatever when this happens. But in this case, I, I don't know for sure, but we might not have heard anything from Nick Wilovich because of the potential legal issues with the taping. And if he makes a comment that could have an impact on that, um, it could be a situation where Cassidy Woods was in the wrong and he wasn't supposed to tape that. But Rolovich is like, you know what? I should have said what I said here. Let's just, you know, I don't care that you taped it. I'm going to come out with an apology. There's no charges. What they should or, do you know. is the, exactly what Gundy and that uh, and Chuba Hubbard did, which is, I mean, Gundy didn't do it. What they should both do is, I mean, I, this is just me talking from a PR standpoint. I don't think anybody should be apologizing really except for Rolovich here. But because right. you were doing an illegal thing, Cassidy Woods and Rolovich, you don't want to like, file a lawsuit against one of your players that's crazy and also you sounded like a horse's ass so you both get on camera together you say hey man i'm sorry about this hey i'm sorry about this you shake hands or don't shake hands gesture at each other from across the room who gives a shit but that's it's this would be a really easy thing to solve just but make it go away from that respect um and then and then move on to you know trying to make it up to your team yeah. All right. Uh, one last quick note. Um, just our buddy John Canzano from the Oregonian. He was the first to report this, and I think people have followed suit. Woody Dixon, uh, the general counsel and lead football administrator, leaving the Pac-12. So you remember him a couple of years ago and his botching of the uh, officiating and all that stuff. Uh, probably should have been gone then. Sort of just like you didn't hear from him for two years, and now he sort of like just walks away quietly. I think it's it's probably a good thing. I, I Wilner wrote about this is a great opportunity for Larry Scott to make a great hire here. Someone with real football experience and not just someone that's playing the part. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know any quick thoughts on that, Dave. Um, no, no, that's great. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't think he should have been around for the last two years. I mean, after what he did, like you just need to be, no. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have been, um, but I think it all starts, with our man Larry, our man Champagne Larry. Um, so, yeah, it's great. But the truth I, is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so this is good. Happy trails. Yeah, that was that's our that was John Gonzano saying that too. So that's uh, it's nice we got to get his definitive words on the uh, subject. Did you do you see the? I, I forgot to write this one down. He also had a pretty damning piece about. The L.A. Times and the Pac-12 oh, yeah. that they were buying that on that honestly looked I, I I think the main uptick for like sports talk Twitter was all about how it looked bad for the Pac-12. I thought it looked awful for the L.A. Times. Oh, completely. Yeah, awful. I texted a buddy that works for the Times and he's like, man, this is not a good look. And, and they've had not. a bad run of press about them, which is not good. Like, I, I don't know if you followed the Arash Markazi thing, but he yes. got some bad, bad bad stuff and then i think he eventually ended up suspended um but, i didn't know if he was he's a rush is a friend of mine I, didn't, I haven't talked to him for quite a while but yeah that was that was a weird one too i was like man this is not uh yeah just like plagiarism accusations and some other stuff and then the la times 
so basically the Pac-12 uh, essentially negotiated some sort of advertising arrangement with the LA Times where they would funnel them money in exchange for getting a dedicated reporter to basically Pac-12 Olympic sports. And I don't know how far – it was unclear to me how far a lot of it got off the ground. Um, but they it did started like that, that reporter came to a couple of USC practices. Yeah, She was at UCLA practices and she did a good job. Like, and I think that was one note in Kanzana's story that I don't think got hammered hard enough, but she wasn't like a nefarious actor. Like she actually, uh, I read a couple of her UCLA reports and they were good. Um, but it's just the LA times kind of failed as an institution by really blurring the line between what is your business side and what is your editorial side. Right. Um, and it sounds like the sports editor at the time, Angel Rodriguez, did not do a very good job at all of managing that situation. And the, for the Pac-12, I mean, they were essentially trying to pay the L.A. Times like a hundred grand lining up sponsors for favorable coverage. And it's weird when you look at you, you hammer the Pac-12 because, you know what, people are saying they're writing bad stories about us doing negative things instead of fixing what we do. How do we get good stories written about us? Let's pay for that. Um, which you have one reporter at the LA Times who was going to get like exclusive access to, uh, you know, the the brass at the Pac-12. They would get access to uh, the coaches and the, the sports information people from the different universities. Like that's basically what the Pac-12 was promising them. So you would give, because like Canzano's an insider, Wilner's an insider. They have these sources. They were essentially trying to take this younger L.A. Times reporter and make her an insider and an advocate for the the Pac-12. And it was sort of like, do you ever? Uh, what was the um, the one uh, the 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 great Netflix show about the presidential stuff? Um, uh, House of Cards, mm-hmm. where like he was having an affair. With, I'm not. This is not an equivalent. I don't think there was having an affair, but you know, he was having an affair with one of the reporters and. There was a, a quid pro quo, you know, pro, like he would allow her to ask questions and give her information and stuff like that. And it, I mean, on a different scale, obviously, but they were, it seemed like they were trying to set something like that up. But even if that, that was working and obviously it's not ethical, I just don't think if you had this one reporter saying things like Kanzano reports that Larry Scott was, gets like a million dollar pay raise and Wilner confirms it. And then the LA times comes out with something that's, contrary to that or tries to put in a better light oh 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 you would start to like it's a beyond stupid plan yeah like it's so stupid um and it's like this belief that media is actually controlling the narrative about your stupid league and the missteps you're making when it's not like it's just bad and apparently was some consultant they were working with who was just giving them horrendous advice on how to spend their money which is true of like 99 percent of media consultants but all very, very stupid. Like, I don't want that to be lost in it. But that's that's true of a lot of corruption. Uh, it's stupid. Um, it's generally from bad impulses. Um, and I'm sure somebody lined their pockets really well from this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a bad look for everyone involved. Pac-12 for doing it. LA Times for agreeing to it. Everyone for how stupid it is. Just awful. And I think, like you said, I think it, it only it got that far. Like things were signed, like there was agreed to, which is the problem. But then people started to kind of get word wind of this, and it was like, yeah, this is not going to, uh, this is not going to work. So at least they, you know, stopped it. But not a good look for the LA Times again. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and get to your questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. Man, we went over an hour just talking about the newsy stuff. That was like all football-y, Dave. It was sort of. Well, there's but COVID-y, I think, I, but, but I, football-y. I, I, I think we're going to piss some people off. I think I think that first hour going to have some pissed off listeners. Really? I think so. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we do. We'll see. Uh, just from the, did we talk too much football? We didn't get to. I think we talked too much um, football adjacent stuff that, uh, I, I think it's a small subset of our listenership at this point, but it is still a subset that they really don't want to hear the football adjacent stuff. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, when you talk about the football schedule and I like, think there's a contingent of our listenership who would much rather listen to like president, U.S. president <laughs> hot talk than the football adjacent stuff, because it's like, oh, this is too real, but it's not actually fun. Gotcha. You well, I mean, I mean, we want to try to be newsy. Too. We're not all. No, 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 no. I think we should continue doing it. I'm just saying. Right. We don't have games, but these are things that could lead to or stop games like the movement. The threat is to opt out of football. Like, well, okay, if they opt out of football, we don't have a football season to talk about. I mean, I think there's legit stuff to talk about. You know, you, Nick Rolovich, could he be fired? Like, who knows? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff that I, are going on. I have on. a lot of doubts that he could be fired because he didn't say anything that – the thing is, if you read the transcript and even if you listen to the audio, you can read what he's saying a more charitable way. I'm not willing to do it because I'm not willing to concede my intellectual faculties to believe he wasn't making an implied threat. But he could claim that he was going for the mentorship type thing. He was trying to explain to him that there are unforeseen consequences of what you're saying that you might not be seeing right now. And however inarticulately, that's how he expressed himself. Uh, but he had the best interests of Cassidy in mind, blah, 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 blah. But you could explain it away based off the transcript and even the audio. Like it wasn't he wasn't saying, well, buddy, you're going to have to go fuck yourself. Um, it was there was, you know, a variety of different things he was saying that were kind of unclear and he was kind of like just like yeah and that's gonna be a you know a different deal like what, what does that even mean you could <laughs> parse that for decades and you wouldn't know what it means um so i don't think it was i don't think that's going to be firing offense because it wasn't explicit if he was explicitly saying yeah man 
COVID, that's totally fine because I've been told so by the university. That's totally fine, and I'm going to abide by their policies. This other deal, no, I think that's complete horseshit, and you're going to have to get off the team now, and anybody with you is going to have to get off the team. That might actually lead to some real stuff, but that didn't really happen in the audio. Yeah. Well, if they were mad that we talked about it for an hour and 10 minutes, they're probably mad that we took question time and talked about it a little bit more. But we'll move on because this is our favorite part. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. <laughs> God, I love that drop. Um, <laughs> I think the first one is is actually for you and Hitler Day. So maybe I'll let you take this one. You you start. All right. This is from uh, Andy. Mostly for Dave and Hitler Day. Hello, all. Dave, just like you, I also went on a 3,000-mile road trip with my kids two and four. Only our trip was voluntary, and we went to Yellowstone to camp and hike for four days. We saw a grizzly cub, a few black bears, three moose, a badger chased down a coyote, countless elk, bison, pronghorns, and much more. Hiking around the Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone was one of the cooler hikes I have ever been on, and the list goes on. I'm curious how you can say Yellowstone was disappointing. I have also been to Yosemite, and I agree it is beautiful, but would rank Yellowstone, Glacier, and Zion higher. Obviously, this is a matter of opinion, and I'm not judging yours. Just curious what you saw that was so different from how I saw it. Um, now, sometimes do I make an opinion about something where I have a limited amount of knowledge? Yes. Andy, I'm, 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 I, I'm, I'm ashamedly saying that that's true. Uh, I've been to Yellowstone for two nights. Um, and when I was there, we did like the geyser thing. And then went on like a short hike that was not over anything particularly scenic. It's a big ass park. I missed a lot. So it was disappointing to me subjectively, but it was more about my experience with it than the topography or geography or whatever. Um, for Yosemite, um, I so the two that I have, um, I haven't been to Glacier. I'd love to go to Glacier. But between Yosemite and Zion, I picked Yosemite because there was more variety of of what's going on there. Um, it's, I think there's more to it. Um, Zion's really cool. It's just relatively small for a national park. Um, and it's just, I, I don't love that look as much as I like the green wooded, you know, Eastern Sierras. So that's, again, it's subjective. It's based on like childhood memories of going in the Eastern Sierras and all that kind of stuff, as opposed to kind of the deserty, um, more plateau-y type mountains in Yosemite uh, or in Zion. But um, yeah, all of these are really good. Anyone who hasn't done the national parks or anyone who doesn't know what national parks are, like Ryan, uh, you should do these, all of them. Glacier, if you've ever even looked at pictures, which is all I've done, looks amazing and everyone should go. Um, yeah, that's funny. Like I look at some of the different sites and I think I've been. So you've I'll, been to and, the one by Fresno, right? The one by Fresno, which people love that. Um, but the the like the Smoky Mountains in like East Tennessee, I've been mm -hmm. to some of that stuff over there. So that was kind of cool. I don't know if they were specifically part of like the national parks, but like I said, I, I hiked and camped in the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, which is awesome. I've not, I want to go to Joshua Tree. I haven't been out. Yeah, Joshua uh, Tree is cool. I've only ever really driven through it, kind of, um, but it's cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's some cool stuff. That place by Fresno, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, the place by Fresno. There's a couple. There's a couple of pretty good places by Fresno. Um, if you're talking about Sequoia, Kings Canyon, and Yosemite. Cool. 
right. Now a question for Hitler Day. Dave and Ryan, feel free to zone out while football is discussed on this podcast. I can't zone out. I'm reading this. Last show, you mentioned that Scott Huff was a poor developer. I'm curious how you came to that conclusion. So not knowing anything, I thought Hitler Day was biased on that assessment. So now we're going to hear why. He has coached for three years and has had Trey Adams, Nick Harris, and Caleb McGarry during that time, all now on NFL rosters. While Trey Adams was hurt, Jared Hilbers filled in. Jackson Kirkland has started for two years and is almost a lock to go to the NFL next year. Coleman Shelton, NFL, and Luke Wattenberg have rounded out his core of OL. None of those players were his recruits and all have been two to three year starters. My point is he has appeared to have done well with what he was given and we have yet to see what he can do with his own developed players. It has also been rumored that Huff has not been pleased with the unnecessary complexities that his position group was asked to do. As listeners of this podcast, we know that no one made gaining five yards look harder than the Huskies. As a person who studies film, do you think it is that Huff doesn't develop or that the Husky offense is overly complicated and makes their OL look bad? I feel it is the latter and Huff deserves a free pass for now. Thanks all for your time. Big hugs, Andy. Thanks, Andy. I don't know the answers to any of those questions. I uh, don't either. So, uh, Hitler Day, we need you. Um, nice. But, yeah, good stuff on the uh, the national parks. Uh, Gatlinburg is where I went to in Tennessee, East Tennessee. Yeah, Gatlinburg's pretty. That was neat. It was sort of like Did a, you go to Dollywood? Isn't Dollywood over there? I didn't go. No, I didn't go to Dollywood. So, uh, we'll have to check that out. Uh, all right. Thank you for that one. For email verification, this is funny from Paul. Uh, last week, you two noticed a distinct pattern of frequency. I'm sorry, on frequency and timing of emails from Hithliday and Hugh Gaynus. I apologize for the spelling. Yeah, he's butchered both those. You pointed out that they never email at the same time, which is obviously incriminating. To verify that the two are different, I propose that they should email at the same time, thus clearing their names. The problem, great Paul, the problem is that you can now schedule emails in Gmail. Oh. Yeah. No, the real solution is we have to have a Zoom again and have them both on, and they have to talk to each other. I like it. That's all. That's and all we can, can do. And we didn't get to see Hitler Days. We wanted, and we wanted to see them. We wanted to see his visage, his visage, yeah, his they very saw face. They saw my beard at the time. Oh, when are we going to do that Zoom? So we got one request to not do it on a weeknight, but we also got multiple requests to do it on various other days. I think we just have to pick. Yeah. So there, if you want to read Mark, he's got his okay. potential, yeah, yeah. you know. And right, then we'll talk go. about it then, I guess. That's good. Yeah. Uh, this is from Mark. Uh, upcoming Zoom session. Hi, guys. Just wanted to give my two cents on a potential Zoom session 2.0. I'm not particular on the day as long as it's 7.30 p.m. or later. Looking forward to seeing Grizzly Adams and Littlefinger talking anything but Pac-12 football. Thanks and go Cougs. Mark in Vancouver, Washington. Bonus question. Over under three and a half weeks until football seasons get canceled, uh, get called off, delayed. If you've already answered this question, feel free to use the uh, Washington State meow drop. Uh, we haven't, but I'll do it. Washington State Cougars. <laughs> All right. So three and a half weeks. Where does that put us? So from right now, that would be uh, like after fall camp. So that would be. August 26th, August 27th, somewhere in that range? In that range. So we'd have like 10 days of fall camp. Okay. Um, so at least one by then? All right. So at least one FBS league will have canceled by then. Yes. I think I'm going to take the over. because I think it'll be longer than that? I think a little longer. I think... A week and a half of fall camp will get the 
I think by then we'll be talking about it. But like, if it's going to cancel, eh, I mean, it could happen that freaking the first week of fall camp. But I'm going to say probably like week two. After week two of fall camp is when things just look like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my guess. Okay. I'll, so we're both I'll, really optimistic about a season. Yeah. Uh, what um, about the right. Zoom call? Like, when do we? What right. do you? Um. So this weekend is no good for me. Um. I can do. I can do this week if it's not too tight of a turnaround, Wednesday or Thursday. Um. In the evening, that's fine. We'll probably have to do like next week. It'll be a little tight. Um. Yeah, we'll have to do next week. Um. Next week, I can do basically any day. Um. So it's really dependent on your schedule, my friend. Okay, Let, I think we might have more comments later on, but we'll figure. Let's plan on next week, uh, and we'll see if weekend works. But I got to read this one. It's Ryan is right, so Ooh. I like Frank in Sacramento. Okay, so Frank Frank got hit on the head, <laughs> and I don't mean politically. He's right about quote some things are great about the pandemic, like no traffic. Uh, I don't think I was real. I mean, this is what I was saying, but like not. I'm not saying like the pandemic is good, but there there's some positives Look, that could come upside, out. There's upsides to even big negatives. Yes, uh, I I had occasion to make three round trip car excursions from Sacramento to San Diego since June first. On the six passes through L.A. on these trips, I was in slow and go traffic for a short time, twice. Came to a stop on the freeway just once on I five, and did not even slow down three times through Los Angeles. This portion of the same trip has been a three plus hour slog in years past. Frank and Sacramento. And I don't know if we talked about this before, Dave, but the uh, the Cannonball Run they like set record times early on in the pandemic. It's the the race from like New yeah. York to Redondo Beach, like just drive as fast as you can, and they have to average like over like 110 miles an hour. And they were able to do that and get out here and uh, and break the record early in the pandemic because traffic was so light. And my my uh, hiking excursions that are like a little further away from LA that I have to get up early and go drive on have been pretty easy to get out there. Even if you're going like 90 miles, it's only taking an hour and a half instead of three hours. So yeah, there's Frank, there's some benefits. Yeah, to- totally. Um, some real benefits that should uh, make us uh, long for these things still being the case after the pandemic is over. The, I mean, and sometimes it's, it's things like that, that open up, you know, opportunities where you weren't really going to, if a boss was going to say, you know, I think working from home is going to work, but I don't know. And well, I don't want to like get this it, started. Like you start exactly doing it. Exactly like, right. Exactly yeah. right. Don't waste a crisis with any of this stuff because now we know working from home works fine. As yeah. long as you don't have to watch your kids at the same time. That's crazy. We know school's important <laughs> even yes. more than before. We know that. Teachers are really important. important. Yes. Yeah. Teachers are important as hell. Um, day drinking on the streets. Way cool. Everyone should do it. <laughs> and there shouldn't be cars around when you're doing it. That's definitely have more walkable areas with outdoor areas where you can do that. Yeah. Outdoor Restaurants patios, should have way shopping. more patio service, way yeah. more. Cause it's so much better. Everyone likes that. Um, but like all these things, these are things we can do. We can collectively decide that this downtown isn't going to have cars anymore. And we're just going to make it walkable. Sorry. Like just yeah. do that. It's fine. We can do this. We can put our heads together and we can make this happen doesn't take that much work to make these things happen. Yeah. A lot of European cities decided to do this crap uh, when they when the pandemic hit. Um, we can. We can do this. And it's way, way better to have walkable areas. We want those. We right. want walkable areas where you can get drunk. That is 
our motto here on the podcast of champions. I don't know if we talked about this before, but uh, this was, God, I think I was listening. I might've been listening to like a Freakonomics podcast, but you know, we both like some of the world war two stuff. And one of the things for Stalingrad, there was a siege. It was almost three years. It was like 900 days and people are eating like sawdust and stuff. I mean, it, obviously that's awful. Like one of the worst things that happened in our planet, probably right. Like it's just bad, but there was like, some benefit that came out of that. There were people basically dying and they didn't know why. Um, and it turns out it was all the people that the, the gluten stuff going on. I think it was celiac disease, I believe. And they weren't sure what was going on. People were dying and they didn't know what to do. They're eating the bread and they're eating, eating a lot of gluten and it was having a negative effect on their body and causing all these problems and people were actually dying. Then, the siege happens and it stops. Like basically people stopped eating bread. So this was this forced experiment that we're <laughs> going to take away your bread. And then they stopped dying of the, I believe, I think it's celiac. Is that right? The gluten one. Uh, I, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. If I screwed, but yeah. yeah. So this was like this forced, horrible experiment. And then they go back and once the siege ends and everyone starts eating gluten again, then they start dying again. And they, they kind of use that to figure out like we cut out bread and, now they're not dying. And so it was like this way to kind of figure out by starving people, which, you know, obviously horrible, but that's how they kind of figured this out. If I, I hope I got that correct, but that's uh, from what I read or whatever on that podcast. And I, I read a bunch about the Stalingrad, um, you know, the siege and everything. I think I have a whole book on it, but I don't remember seeing anything about that. But I think I got that from the Freakonomics podcast a while back. And I just thought that was like fascinating. Very cool. It's like this real world experiment that you would not, yeah. obviously you would never say, you know what we should do? Let's take Los Angeles and not feed them for three years and see what, you know, see if that fixes. The right. No, uh, let's take Los Angeles and hit them with a, you know, a pandemic that's going to kill a bunch of them. Right. But upside, we've learned that there's some cool things that we can do as a society that would make living here a lot better. Yeah. Um, and we, li- and I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. You're, you're good. Go. The, and like the, Market correction stuff, like you talked about the cost of tuition, coaches' salaries. If football shuts down, athletic department shuts down, we might see a correction there where the pandemic actually sort of realigned. Things. Like, you know, tuition's just out of control going up every year. And it's going up this year for a lot of schools, and they're not even going to have in-person classes. Maybe this is the correction for that. And you actually make the college experience better or more you know, equitable, like right now, I mean, you could make the debate, right. That it's not economically sound advice to go to college because you're going to be in so much debt. Um, and maybe the pandemic brings price, the price of college tuition down. Who knows? Maybe, maybe we'll see. I don't know. Sorry. Just okay. There. No, no, that was great. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. Um, all right. This is something from Chris and soul. It's really long. Oh, it starts uh, with Latin. It means, uh, what do you think? Quid vobis viditur. Yeah, so what do you think? Boys, my review of the 20 pod. If you speak in tongues, what good is it to us listeners except that you speak by revelation, by knowledge, by orthodoxy, or by guessing? Okay. What's the 20 pod? Uh, I think the 2020 podcast as it stands at this moment. Oh, what we're doing. Okay, gotcha. Revelation by... Hmm. I wonder what that's a reference to. Do I not know that one? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, don't worry about it. 
Uh, thank goodness this week there is genuine football news. Listening to Dave display terminal confirmation bias regarding his COVID opinion has been really challenging. Fortunately, most longtime listeners love Dave and forgive him. The remainder are sadists. Lots of learnings from Korea. It helps calibrate your risk tolerance when you have a big Rodman fan with nukes and 20-year-old electronic controls next door. Simple fact that the outbreak in Daegu was much worse than anything in the U.S. Okay, New York may have been worse given the renowned incompetence, the renowned competence and collaboration of the state and city governments and the superb care one can expect when arriving at a random NYC hospital. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there, Chris. You, I'm fine at all times being confer- c- being accused of any sort of logical fallacy. Confirmation bias? Sure. Why not? You can't then compare anything in the American situation to what went on in Korea, except if you are comparing it incredibly unfavorably to the United States. There have been like 300 total deaths in the entire country of South Korea. Like 300 total. I, I don't yeah. think I don't think the United States has had under 300 in the entire time that we've been paying attention to the yeah. pandemic. So no, it, it, it not only was worse in New York than Daegu. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. It's been worse in about 50 different places than it was at any place in 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 South Korea. So just let's come on. Let's not let's not. Let's not accuse confirmation bias while also doing the same thing yourself. Let's come on. Let's have a little intellectual honesty. Yeah. Uh, trust me, a bit of collective discipline on mask wearing, hygiene, and actually observing self quarantine when exposed will bring community spread to a negligible level. Social distance and plexiglass or red herrings meant to equal mask wearing. That's working in South Texas, right? I I, I honestly do not know what what in the hell he's talking about. Here. I'm not sure either. Okay. Uh, six people positive this Sunday in a greater Seoul population of 25 million schools and sessions sports back this week with some live spectators, even a few social justice protests, sans statue attacks and burning and looting tonight. Marley nailed it years ago. David, trust the experience of 50 million people. The corona does not have to shut down life's normal activities and divide a country. Only a more dangerous organism can do that. Ebola and politicians. Politicians are especially malignant in an election season and often conceal themselves by hiding behind journalists. Unfortunately, we have them here in Korea, too. And masks are no protection. Okay, so it's just nonsense conspiracy theory crap. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't realize I needed to discount literally everything you were saying until this point. But now Well he was okay. saying so he's saying like masks are good. Masks are good, but that they are sufficient distance. in and of themselves with hygiene and self quarantine when exposed, as if you know at all times when you've been exposed to this disease that has been proven over and over again almost certainly comes at least in part from asymptomatic people. So, okay, the United States is having about 60,000 cases a day on average over the last seven days, and I think over the last, like, three weeks. That's, it's obviously not being taken care of at the moment. A bit of collective discipline is either something we're lacking or, more likely, that in and of itself is not sufficient for figuring this thing out when you have systemic failures at every level of our government and society. So, no, I don't think it's as simple as hand-waving, yeah, if you just wear some masks and wash your hands, it's going to be fine. Well, no. Korea had a lot of built-in, like, you know, trust in its own government, a lot of built-in societal unity that we just don't have. We are a systemic failure in facing this at every level. Our individual attitudes about it, this very email, like, these sorts of things are part of the problem. 
We don't act collectively in any way. And that's the true thing that you need to have to deal with something like this. That's a collective calamity is you need collective action to respond to it. Not a bunch of people complaining about different ways of doing it. Yeah, maybe in Korea they didn't need a full nationwide lockdown, but I know they closed schools for a while and they had to force some to remain open just because they had to manage, you know, the emergency workers' kids. But it's not as if they didn't do intervention measures at the beginning of the pandemic. They just got it under control earlier because they're a better functioning society than we are. That's it. That's all. Anyway, finally, Ryan, forget dead presidents. Just go read Hard Hat Riot by Kuhn. This is mandatory reading for anyone who is not old enough to remember the late 60s, early 70s. Those were the days when protest leaders had names, public faces, and charisma, albeit no social media accounts, and the man had a plan. What say you? David, just suspend the damn naysaying for a bit. Oh, so it's about these questions following. The Big Ten continues. Well, real quick on that. So was he saying... Social distancing and plexiglass aren't the way to go, but mask wearing is the the real thing. Is that was that what did you get out of that? I was a little. He I just said was those are red herrings. Um, when so being like a distraction or something. All of these all of these measures are things that um, would help. Do you need to do all of them if you're all doing one or two of them? Probably not. It's the fact that we're not doing anything at a functional level right now. Like, yeah, some people are wearing masks. Some people are social distancing. Are some schools still trying to open in the midst of a pandemic that's, again, infecting 60,000 people a day that we know about? Uh, Yeah, some schools are still trying to open. Is that really stupid? Yeah, oh yeah, it sure is. Um, We're doing things that are just abject failures um, over and over and over again. And you can't just say, oh yeah, if you wear masks, it's gonna be fine. Um, gotcha. Okay. I was just a little, it was, I think he was trying, there was stuff trying to be funny and I did, I wasn't, I don't know I what wasn't was getting being funny. I don't know what was being funny in here, Okay. but social distancing and plexiglass, those are fine. Those, those could be good. Um, installing plexiglass in front of like, you know, teachers in school, if you're going to insist on having school is probably good. Um, so, but in and of itself, it is not sufficient for solving it. All of these things could be good. They could help. But you actually have to do a certain amount of them. And you have to have some level of buy-in on a lot of them. Okay. And it has to be across the country. It can't just be in a few locales. Otherwise, you're just playing whack-a-mole forever. Okay, gotcha. yeah, we figured it out in California again. Oh, crap, it cropped back up in Indiana. Okay, bam, that one's done. You have to do something national. And we are incapable. Or have been so far. We'll see if we get better. Um, all right, 1A. The Big Ten continues their envy and emulation of the Ivy League. Do you think the Big Ten slow walks into a fall season cancellation purportedly in favor of having a spring season? Uh, I don't know. I, I, for what you were saying, it makes it sound like they're thinking about it because of some of the issues. Of, yeah, so I'll go That's to what Wilner, I'm, I'm basically just quoting Wilner. So, yeah, if, if they're the most likely of the bunch, then I think they're going to be the first. Um, yeah. But I think the whole thing's not going to happen. Um, 1B, the Pac-12 manages the virus better than the Big 12, ACC, and SEC. Come December, the Pac-12 teams have each completed 8 or 9 or 10 games. The other conferences bungle the protocols and only get to get 5 to 6 games in. Do you think the Pac-12 still gets left out of the playoff? <laughs> I, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, if they each play eight or nine or ten games, then there's more losses to go by. You know? Exactly. Six and zero oh, Alabama and gets in, and Andrew's going to hate us for this, but sometimes they just count losses, baby. Yep. And if the Pac-12 winner has a three-loss season, it's no good. You're done. You don't need those eye charts, Andrew. Just the the loss column. That's all you exactly. need. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> he's he's writing up a strong. Yeah, oh, very very now. strong. Uh, two, the California schools end up constrained by state and local rules and do not play or even scrimmage in 2020. Don't you think the return to the Pac-8 is lovely? I mean, I think if the California schools don't play, they're not going to play. But um, yeah, I don't. Think I think that's, that's likely, though. I don't. I don't think it's likely that a Pac-8 happens. No, no chance. Um, three, same scenario. Do you think some California players enter the transfer portal and petition for immediate eligibility? Sure. Well, but it would be it'd be Pac-12. No, no, I don't think so. Again, I, think, I don't think so, because I think uh, thinking of this as just a California point. issue, I think, is missing the point, which is, again, it's a it's a nationwide pandemic. Yeah. And I, I think if if the Pac-12 decides that it's not playing football, I think in the in the short term, everyone's going to decide they're not playing football. Right. Uh, four, sincerely and without sarcasm, heartened to hear Larry Scott recovered from the Rona. Do you think his plasma should be injected into the Pac-12 coaches to protect them? Just Clay Helton? <laughs> I don't think Clay Helton needs it. No, he's I think pretty, he's got uh, just immunity to everything. He does. It's funny. We had a question on our USC podcast. They were talking about coaches' salaries and all this kind of stuff. And I went into like the little market rant. I'm like, we talk about Larry Scott. Like you could knock his salary down to 500K and it's not like someone's going to hire him away. It's the same sort of thing. USC paid, you know, Clay Helton a fully guaranteed contract, extended him when there was no market for him. And so that's just you have a great agent that's like, you know, advocating for you and you just duped a brand new AD that didn't know what he was doing. Um, so that's just a university being dumb about their with their resources and giving a guy that, you know, if it's someone, you know, they're going to hire Mel Tucker away when he goes five and seven. You probably can't prevent that, you know. But if you're protecting a guy that nobody wants to hire, that why are you protecting that person? I, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, totally. Okay. And then um, tongue Talking not in cheek. cheek. Oh. Nationally, do you think any P5 coaches will opt out? Hmm. Opt out. No, I don't think coaches will at all. Uh, head coaches? No. Maybe an assistant somewhere? Yeah, it could be, be an tough. assistant. Yeah, I think the head coaches are too, um, mostly just insane. Um, some of them more than likely should. Like, some of them most likely do have health issues, but I think most of them are crazy people. Yeah. Um, um, is that it? Is that all I yeah, praying we have a season. Yours as always, Chris from Seoul. Thanks, Chris. Thank uh, you, Chris. We need a translator for some of that stuff. Man, I, uh, I, it's just, like, some people, like, they've got, and look, again, could I be prone to, confirmation bias myself yeah totally totally and that 100 percent happens but like i don't know that i would sit around accusing other people of confirmation bias like i wouldn't sit here and say oh you're just looking for you know positive news about this whole thing like what kind of blinders do you have to have on in this conversation to be like hey, yeah you got confirmation bias i'm the actual rational actor here because yeah. i'm going to compare it to a place where there have been eight thousand total cases over the entire thing and that's actually a rational thing to say yeah, I've had some people making these weird comparisons or telling me like comparing like, you know, California to Wisconsin. And I'm like, like, there's twice as many people in L.A. County than there are in the state of Wisconsin. And they were like, oh, they're comparing it to Singapore, which is like, you know, 300th the square footage of Wisconsin. Like they make all these comparisons. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense. Like you can't compare 
some small, like highly populated, dense country with a spread out state, you know, like. Well, and it's it, just like it'd be one thing if you wanted to compare it at the very beginning of the thing and say, hey, Korea's doing this thing. They got it at the same time. Why can't the United States get on gear and do this thing? And OK, fine. We've just seen the last five months. We've seen the United States completely fail at handling this pandemic. How can you then just hand wave and say, yeah, you just got to wear masks. If you just wear masks, you'll be fine. It's not an individual responsibility thing at that point. There is whatever you want to point to. There's massive failure at every level. It's individual responsibility. Sure. It's the way our brains work in this country with how we've been indoctrinated about individualism. Sure. It's that, too. It's the way the federal government failed. Sure. It's the way the state governments have failed. Sure. It's all manner of things. But it's the fact that the country is so big is a part of it. But you can't just hand wave and say, oh, yeah, but just look, if 80 percent of you wore your masks all the time, you'd be fine. We're clearly not going to do that. Right. Like, yeah. That's obviously not going to happen. So what's next? What's the next thing you do? Yeah. Because we're not doing that. We're not going to do that because we've got a broken country. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, and it's somebody in, you know, in, in Seoul who's telling us this. So, yeah, okay, you're, you're taking the view from, you know, a country that's figured it out, and that's great, but this is a, a much different and much more uh, dysfunctional country. We have a, uh, vo- a text message, a series of text messages, still not signed, but they noted that they're, they're the anonymous 714, so they at least acknowledge that they're not signing it. So that's good. Uh, it starts off on the most recent broadcast who asked, uh, I'm sorry. It was asked, most, was asked who plays Sean Miller in a movie. Several bad options were discussed, but the correct answer is obviously Nick cage. Imagine a face off quality performance of Nick on the sidelines as the ref tees him up again, or the smile as he hands a stuffed envelope to an aide and tells him, turn that kitten into a wildcat. And he has a, uh, a nice picture of uh, a really weird face Nicolas Cage is making in one of the movies. So uh, that's from the anonymous 714. That's totally fine. Love Nick Cage. Um, that was not the most recent broadcast. I want to say that was like several months ago. Okay. So somebody's going back into the back catalogs there. And that's fine. I respect it. Um, so I don't even remember who I said would play Sean Miller in a movie. Um, but Nick Cage, great. Doesn't look anything like him, but great. Love yeah. him. To be fair, if you discussed this yesterday on the broadcast, would you still remember or p- oh, potentially remember? Yeah, that's a great. Point. I wouldn't, so I that's don't know. That's a great point. It's, yeah. I can say this. I definitively did not discuss it in last week's broadcast, so okay. it is definitely not in the most recent one. I think it's been at least a month. Yeah. We're sort of like dogs where if you, like, you, know, oh, you leave the house. My brain doesn't work anymore. You don't know if the, like, the dog thinks you're gone for a month or an hour. It doesn't know. I'm getting the long ones today. All right, here we go. Oh, do you want me to do this one then? No, no, it's fine. This is from Brad in Portland. Uh, A few emails in one. Hey, guys, got a few quick questions for you. Each question was meant to be its own email over the past few months, but ended up putting as much effort into them as Dave. They showed up, but without Orion, it took a bit longer for it to happen on its own. That is a long way of saying each question has its own subject line. Uh, First email then. Uh, If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, then it defiantly, then it is defiant. And then it is definitely not a duck. I think that's what he's going for there. I think he's trying that. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear all the time that college football has no governing body like the NFL. But every year I hear about the NCAA granting or denying appeals for additional years of eligibility for players, early playing time for transferring players, penalties handed out by the NCAA and so on. Isn't the NCAA acting like a governing body? What am I missing? Um, 
Yeah, but they don't really regulate the schools so much. They have control over the unpaid labor to an extent, and they have rules for how they can transfer between different schools, but it's not... It's not like the commissioner of the baseball. Like it's the yeah. commissioner of the baseball. What <laughs> what 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 language am I speaking right now? We are. Uh, where are we at? We're uh. We're at the hour and forty five minute mark. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to like we'll put this in high gear. Yeah, we gotta move quicker. Um, uh, so it's not like MLB or a pro league. Like it's not where the commissioner has basically all encompassing power to tell teams what to do and and suspend and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the NCAA has to go through years and years of inv- investigations to even figure out how to punish teams. Um, takes forever. Requires essentially the consent of the governed to do a lot of it. Um, so, yeah, to an extent, but they're not really powerful. Um, yeah. Except over the unpaid labor. They have some real power over the unpaid labor because, and only because, the Power Five schools consent to the agreement. Yeah. It's like they have power over, like, all the individual athletic departments and how they're run and how many scholarships and all that kind of stuff, but as far as like what they're going to do during the season and how they do a playoff and all that stuff, like the NCAA is not involved in any of that. Yeah. All right. Paying some players. I know that paying players is always a hot topic with college football. Let's say the door was open for universities to pay football players. Wouldn't there be a move to do the same for the other revenue generating sports like men's basketball? How many colleges do you think have the sports budget to afford that and running all the other non-revenue generating sports? Also, since revenue generating sports are usually sports played by men, wouldn't there be an issue with title nine if only male athletes were being paid? We talked about this a little bit before. I don't know about the Title IX. Um, I think you could make, from what I understand, just reading the opinions of people on different sides of it, you could make an argument either way. Um, But as for the other bits of it, again, you don't have to pay all the money they're doing for the things they're doing now. You don't have to have have a new $150 million football facility every 10 or 15 years. You don't. You do not need that. That's bad. Um, you don't need to spend like whatever Chip Kelly is spending on training table every year, like $4 million. That's crazy. You don't need to do that. Um, these things are expenses that they can make because they're not paying the players. They can pay the players. They can pay men's basketball players too. There's only like 13 of them. Um, it's just a question of restructuring the entire sport, which is what it would require, which I think is good and should happen, but it's just, that's going to take time or, Something catastrophic, like the players deciding, okay, well, we're just not playing until you figure it out. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of complexities. And if it's – that's one of the issues. If you're going to say it's going to be more of a free market, then only the the revenue sports would get paid. Then there's going to be issues there. If not, then, you know, if you say, okay, we're going to take – pull all the money that the, the, the sports generate in an athletic department and divide it up evenly between all of the athletes – then you're going to have football players complaining like we bring in all this money and the water polo people are getting paid and why don't I get more? And there's a, there's a fair middle ground. I mean, you don't have to say, Oh, we're going, Oh, you're paying now. Okay. We're going free, full mark, full free market and cutting everything. Like there is a middle ground you can agree to. That's fair. Look, a lot of these universities like having the other sports. I know UCLA for one definitely does Stanford for a long time did. Um, they like having all those other sports. Those are important to the university. They're important to a lot of prominent alumni. Um, I don't think a situation where you're suddenly paying the football players and basketball players precludes you from having Olympic sports um, and even keeping those as relatively unpaid labor. Um, now, can you do that where you're paying them through the university? We'll see. I, I, again, there's arguments on either side of it. Um, I think there you could challenge Title IX from that respect and say it's it would be grossly unfair to 
dole out this money that's being earned by these players to these areas that are not earning that money. I think you could make that argument. Um, now, whether they can profit off of their name, image, and likeness is, I think, the true thing that might be figured out in the next year here. And obviously, they should be able to. And obviously, that shouldn't impact anything to do with the Olympic sports. Yeah. Um, but with with revenue, with money coming from the university itself, I think it should be figured out in favor of the the teams that are earning money for the university. I mean, they should get some profit cut from the TV contract that has nothing to do with all these other sports and everything to do with football and basketball. I mean, it's just it's the simple economics of it. And I think that can be argued. Like, I don't think it's just a foregone conclusion. Well, we might get challenged on Title IX grounds. So, of course, we can't even try to do this. I think that's a crazy thing to do. And it's just a way for them to say we don't want to do this. Um, I think you have to investigate it. You have to figure it out. You have to present a good argument. I mean, maybe it will get challenged on those grounds. Again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I think you would have a fair argument that, no, they shouldn't be entitled to this money that is being earned by these 85 guys and these 13 guys. Um, and if you can make an argument that women's basketball makes money at some of these institutions as well, great, they should get money too. And if you can make an argument that it's valuable to boosters to pay for the name, image, and likeness of a water polo player, then great, they should get money too. Um, but I don't think it it necessarily means that because you're deciding to pay football and basketball players that you have to then cut all these other sports. Yeah. Um, they just need to manage their money better because if they created a situation where they can't pay their labor, they've created a situation that should be illegal. It's not should be. Yeah. All right. What else have we got for them? Um, we've got how desperate for college football are we? The other week, one, uh, the other week, one of the questions you got was about simulating the college football season and other things using some dark web website. Like Ryan, I didn't check it out. If you do want to simulate the season, there is some software out there that you can use to enter all of the player data and coaching tendencies, and it can simulate each game. Uh, right now, it goes for about $150 on eBay, but you are in luck, and I, I let you borrow mine for free. You will only need some older hardware to run it, something called an Xbox 360. Yes, I'm talking about NCAA 14. The software won't allow you to simulate which mascot would win in a fight or any of the other random crap that the website would, but the results would be the same, something to talk about, and totally useless. So if, if you are that hard up for college football, on your next Zoom call, we can have a simulated game going in the background. We can watch the game, and like real sports, there will be computer computer-generated crowd. Thanks for all you guys do. Keep up the good wish work, Brad in Portland. Love it. We should have a simulated NCAA 14 season. Thanks, Brad. I do like that, too. Because people can download the, the updated rosters and everything, right? And then you can like have an actual season for this for 2020. Yeah, I think so. I think they can do all that stuff. Yeah. All right, Eric. Uh, COVID and college uh, athletes. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I recently read read a Washington Post article about a meeting between SEC officials and players about COVID. He links to it. The article recounted that an SEC official told a player, "quote that class sizes would be smaller so students can sit six feet apart from one another and that face coverings should help keep students safe. But he admitted uh, the arrangement was, quote, not fair to athletes who might take every precaution but still be infected by the students who don't. I'm surprised, given the monetary stakes for schools, that schools aren't doing more to put a bubble around the teams. It would seem like most classes could be recorded, and there could be small classes and recitation and lab sections of larger classes just for in-season athletes. Do you know if the Pac-12 schools that are planning on having students back on campus are 
taking stronger methods to isolate their players from the rest of the student body during COVID. And as far as that is concerned, do you know how many Pac-12 schools are having full student attendance this fall? We need some more periods in there. Do you think that there are measures that would work to reduce the likelihood of a college football COVID outbreak? Are those measures politically feasible, or do you think too many people who matter would be angry about separating athletes from other students? Thanks for the podcast, and I'm glad you guys are staying healthy from Eric. Thanks, Eric. Um, I think the only thing that's proven to kind of work so far is the bubble, and I don't think that's feasible, but that's the only thing that I can think of. I think any situation where they're like going to in-person physical classes um, is fraught with danger. Um, Yeah. It's the only way sports are going to work right now or really anything is going to be bubbling it up. And I don't think that's feasible at the college level for all the reasons that are implied here. Um, You're creating inequities with how real students are doing it. Um, And also like, so this was uh, Tracy brought this up on the broadcast that we did last week. And I thought it was an interesting take. It was for college basketball doing a bubble um, and just having the, especially if all the schools are going remote just having them work out of a hotel and they just stay at the hotel and then they go play and then they go back to the hotel and it's just the bubble of the teams. And it's interesting and it seems workable on its surface. But again, you're talking about, I know it's my favorite phrase of the show, but you're talking about unpaid labor. So you're essentially saying to them, you have to be on house arrest in this hotel room so that you can go then perform a sport for us, making money for us. And then you're going to go back and do your schoolwork in this hotel room that we've allotted for you. That is less freedom than any people have, even in a lockdown situation that we had in California, where you could then go for a walk outside. You could take your dog for a walk. You could even go to the grocery store. None of these guys would be able to do that. Um, That is that does not seem workable at any level for me. Right. No, I I agree with you there. And the bubble seems to work. The NBA seems to be doing fine. But you're paying them. Right. But this you can't you can't do a bubble in college. We might get a smallish simulation of a bubble by athletes and some other performing arts students or whoever being on campus, but the regular student body not. So you don't have the same kind of exposure. Uh, it's not a bubble, but it might be the best thing to happen. Where we before we said, if students aren't on campus, how can you have sports? But if you have a very limited number of students on campus and everything else is online, that might be the best thing for the student athletes because there'll be less people they can catch it from. Yeah, absolutely. But good question. All right. This is from uh, another one from Brad. Okay. This is Brad in Portland. Uh, I missed one. Sorry, I missed an email, but thought it was too good not to send. Ryan, next time you were at a Utah home game. Uh, Last week, you guys were talking about national parks and Ryan commented that he'd never been to Zion National Park, but really wanted to go. For your listeners who are not familiar, Zion National Park is located in the middle of the state and slightly above the Arizona border. Ryan, I remember you saying you made it out to Rice-Eccles for a game a few years ago, and I'm really surprised that you did not take the time to check out Zion National Park then. I mean, a simple look at the Pac-12 football divisions map shows Utah's campus is clearly in the middle of the state and slightly above the Arizona border. Next time, you should take a few minutes to drive south and see the outdoors. Uh, So it's a photo of Larry Scott with a graphic about the Pac-12 Pac-10 when they were adding uh, Colorado and Utah, and um, a lot of these are not perfect, but Utah's is particularly egregious with yeah. uh, the emblem for Utah being essentially what would have been like an hour north of where Zion is. Right. Yeah. Where it, it's up really near the corner. 
Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And Denver's off, too. Like, Denver should be a little bit further north. Well, Boulder, um, like a... Yeah. yeah, sorry, Boulder. Yeah, my yeah. bad. But yeah, um, they have they have Colorado down near the southern border as well of New Mexico, and it's yeah, and it's got. Be... I mean, it's got USC where it should be, which is somewhere like I don't know San Diego <laughs> near Blythe, maybe. Um, <laughs> but that, there's two schools in one city, so that makes a little more sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Utah is way too both Utah and Colorado are way too far south in there. Totally. All right. And then in hindsight, I think it's just another sign showing off how things would be with Champagne Larry as conference commissioner. Yeah. You are right, Brad. Thank you for your emails. Uh, great stuff, Brad, and great stuff from uh, from everyone. That was a that was a good good long show, Dave. It was a long show, almost we'll, two hours. Well, well, I guess we'll learn if it was a good one, but it was a yeah. long one. Definitely, I think was there was a lot of information. I think we said we said a lot of words. A lot of words were shared between us with the listeners um, on this show. And we'll we'll see how they are uh, how, how they are received. Yes, is it just a random uh, assembly of words put together? For I mean, at two, times two it felt like that. Mouth? At times it felt like that. At times it felt like it was just um, you know figuring it out, building the plane as it was in flight. You know, um, that's sometimes the way I feel in the middle of a sentence. So we'll see how it goes. If you took a thousand monkeys and put them in front of a thousand yeah, microphones, and exactly one of them would be this podcast. One of them would master human speech. <laughs> Which we have not. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast of champions. Thanks to everyone for listening. All the questions. We appreciate it. And let's keep our fingers crossed. Maybe we'll get some college football. We'll keep you updated on the news of what's going on. Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. Bye.